Today on the Shrewd Dudes Podcast, we're going to talk about how people who attack politicians are getting off scot-free, which is insane in the United States. And uh, speaking of insane, uh, the United States is uh, actually eating, uh, suggesting that we eat ourselves, literally, <laughs> which we're going to cover that crazy story. Uh, we're also going to talk about how a recession is indeed coming and how Tim Pool has been hit hard by Twitter and uh, all the crazy like child grooming that is uh, going on in the States. Uh, we're going to cover a couple studies about depression uh, being kind of a, the source being a myth and the FDA talking about how kids are getting uh, some, some un, unexpected uh, hits and also how the WHO thinks monkeypox is a thing. You know, it's not, <laughs> just so you know. And finally, we're going to talk about some Canadian stories uh, about how Canada is pretty much screwed for like the next generation, which sucks. But thankfully, some good news is coming. Uh, we have some uh, big-time court victories. We, we're we're going to love talking to you about that. All of that and more today on the Shrewd News Podcast. Okay, okay, okay. It's another Tuesday news day that we are bringing oh, you back from it, the abyss. It is on. Like it is on. Fun. Took Thursday off, and right. I'll give a brief description about that. Past few days for me have been off the wall. Wait, wait. You're gonna give a brief description? Wow. I'll try. I'll try. I'll be a novel. But before sure. we go into any of that, how was your weekend, and why were you absent on Thursday? Well, Thursday I got to my mom desperately needed uh, somebody to go with her to a to a mariachi show, and this is not just any mariachi. This is the premier like Olympics of like mariachis like band. These guys were freaking phenomenal. Like that guy could hold he could hold a note for like almost a minute. Dang. You're sitting there watching. You're like, how how are you doing this? Like it was impressive. Like hmm. these guys are. The real deal. It was pretty amazing. And then I also got to go to festival, uh, uh, festival, which is like the Mexican uh, uh, festival here in Calgary, which that was is awesome. Not how you say that Latin word. Fest, uh, uh, festival. Or whatever. You're not even Latino. You can't. Even I say know. It. I am white, but I can still say it better than you. You're, oh, that's uh, cultural appropriation, sir. And then uh, Saturday, man, I I almost died. Like I felt like oh, I was going to die. Yes. Eight hours of biking in the mountains, and I was like shown up by an old lady, by a grandmother. Yeah. I was like, "Dang, I need to uh, up my game." It was crazy, mm -hmm. crazy weekend though. How about you, man? How about you? Okay, Thursday <laughs> got like reamed out on site, basically being yeah. called a child and an idiot, and like our crew had to file like two hours of reporting. And so I was not in the mood to do the show, and there wasn't a whole lot of stories to cover. So I was like, "Ich, just don't have the effort." Of the I w my heart was not in it. Friday was pretty calm. Saturday went to the zoo with the kids. Sunday, I fixed my car and like managed to avoid all the pitfalls of breaking tiny pieces of plastic that would have cost me hundreds and hundreds to fix. Even basically became a mechanic. <laughs> A do-it-yourself mechanic. I've fixed a lot of things on my car. Well done. I'm bad with, like, anything involving brakes. But anything mm -hmm. under the hood, I'm actually pretty decent. Mm. Well done. 
I can't take apart an engine. Well, that's, so, that's, that takes a lot more skill, yeah. Yeah. Or do you anything electrical. But yeah. <laughs> I know how to do list, basic stuff. like many things that you can't do. <laughs> yeah, I know how to do basic stuff. Um, and then Monday, nothing really happened at all, really. Uh, Tuesday, today, mm-hmm. I got sent home at like 9 o'clock. Because <laughs> my crew, half of it, is having what I would call a domestic. A, uh, a spat. A spat, because uh... they all live together. <laughs> and now two of them hate each other and are almost getting to blows. And nice. they couldn't, they were just, nope, they're too emotionally pent up and riled up to work. And so oh it was like, oh, oh boy. I'm sitting on site for an hour doing jack all, and I get a call from my boss, and it's like, go home. I'll pay you for three hours. Just go home. And I'm like, okay. I'll go home. So, yeah. Busy, insane, all over the place. It's all over. My life lately. But... You're you're fired. You're fired. Yeah. My life was basically like this first story, Lee Zeldin. (laughs) Just crazy insanity. it's yeah, a gong, a gong show. But Lee Zeldin probably took it better than I would have. Lee Zeldin attacker quickly released from jail just as... I don't know why it says poll predicted, but it's just oh, as Lee Zeldin. Does that mean police predicted? Well, but it says here just as Zeldin predicted. So, okay. The man who allegedly tried to stab Republican candidate for New York Governor Lee Zeldin with a bladed weapon during campaign stop on Thursday was released from jail within hours of his arrest on a felony charge just as Zeldin had predicted. David Jacubonis from Fairpoint, New York, was arraigned overnight in Parentown Town Court on a count of second-degree attempted assault. I would call that second-degree attempted murder because it's a bladed weapon. Hmm? Stemming, and, like, clearly, if you're taking a bladed weapon, like, this is first-degree. This is premeditated. Like, what's going on in New York? This is messed up. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Stemming from the attack, but was quickly released on his own recognizance. In a tweet after the violent incident, Zeldin, who was running as a tough-on-crime candidate against incumbent Democratic Kathy Hochul, who was awful, said he expected his alleged assailant to be back on the streets in no time. His words as he tried to stab me for a few hours a few hours ago were, You're done. But several attendees, including Esposito for New York, quickly jumped into action and tackled the guy, the gubernatorial hopeful tweeted early Friday. Law enforcement was on the scene within minutes. The attacker will likely be instantly released under New York's laws. Yeah, look at the actual. If you look at the uh, uh, photograph a little farther down. Well, is this? This is. Actually... I'm assuming this is the blade. Oh, no, go down, go down further, go down further. Now keep keep going. Let's that's why they tackled him. But then if you go down here, here. Yeah, he gets pretty close to his face. It. It, it's a it's a sta- it's a stabbing weapon. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like a stab some... it's like a punching weapon with blades at the end. Oh, you stab somebody with oh, that in yeah. the neck. That's a that's a like a fatal blow actually. Actually, I, I looked a little farther down than the story, and they actually showed the actual what the actual thing is. I think it's like a where was the picture? Oh, there. Oh, there yeah, it's like a type it of brass like a, knuckles. A yeah, it's like, it looks like a cat basically, but it's metal. Yeah. So obviously, it, it does have the ability to cut you and all that. Um, why was the story important? It's because New York is has become an absolutely this like massive dystopia. crazy stupid place. Well, the problem is that it's it's uh it's become a haven for criminals because criminals like hardened criminals get like 
given like you know the soft treatment. And then there was that story that happened not that long ago of a shopkeeper mm, yep. in a New York uh, shop who defended who himself defend, against the two who were trying to kill him. Yeah, this guy was literally attacking him. And of course, if you're being attacked, you're an older person getting attacked by a younger person. You don't know what their intentions are. They maybe their intentions even isn't even to kill you, but they could they if they could. do the wrong thing. That that could be like your end. So of course you're going to defend yourself. And they tried to railroad. Him. So it's a story showing two things. Yep. One, it shows how New York, and like it's, it's a great example of democratic policy. It's gone like totally away. It shows how the Democrats are stoking, are actually encouraging fanatics to yep. go out and like do these kind of crazy things. And they're going to be covered, of course, by the media. No one's going to cover it. And then second, it shows how New York uh, and their democratic policies are creating the chaos and mayhem and the, the horrible situation that New York is in. They're basically making it life better for criminals so that like criminals can get away with just about anything. And you're encouraging crime. And, and average citizens are not, are, are being thrown under the bus. Uh, by the way, if you wonder, Canada's doing the same thing. Trudeau's doing the same thing here. It's almost like it's planned. It's almost like somebody's reading the crib notes, like Mr. Bean, like you're looking over, he's like, no. <laughs> kind of like that. That's right. Yep. So New York is a mess, and uh, they're pretty much eating themselves alive over there. It's very terrible. But that's a force. That's kind of foreplanning for stuff that's going on with Walmart and uh, food shortages. So Walmart cut oh, its profit outlook. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I well, I figured I figured it worked better this way. So. Okay, Here's right, why right. that might worry rivals. The nation's largest retailer said the rampant rise in prices is changing consumer habits, causing an inventory pileup and aggressive markdowns. Walmart sounded alarms on Monday when it slashed its quarterly and full-year profit forecasts, a warning that so rattled Wall Street. Street? Wall Street. Wall Street. Wall Street. It's like so, new, new kind of roadway. Exactly. So... <laughs> the retailer's stock went into a nosedive. Household spending has been resilient, even in the face of other economic challenges, including scrambled energy markets, supply chain bottlenecks, and decades-high inflation, amongst others, because consumers power more than two-thirds of the economy. That willingness to spend has been up as the key counterpoint to sentiments that the nation is barreling towards recession. But the message from the nation's largest retailer chain spells trouble as it is a sure sign that stubbornly high prices are changing how people spend. Besides the hits to its bottom line, the shift leads more inventory gathering dust on store shelves and in warehouses that motivates the retailer to aggressively mark down merchandise that customers may no longer want or can't afford. Once more, Walmart's story is a harbinger for other retailers in the broader economy. So, people are spending more, are spending spending more on, like, high-need items, and, and because of that, like, they're spending less on frivolities. Hmm. So, Stephen, yes, tell us why this is important. Like, what is what what why is this a marker of what uh, what's going on? Well, <clears throat> this is people like have to people like have to spend money on food. You have to yeah. spend money on food because, of yeah. course, you have to feed yourself. Yeah. But as it costs more and more to feed yourself those in lower income brackets are not going to be able to feed themselves. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look to alternative forms of fuel, alternative forms of food. 
We talked a few weeks ago about how kind of the establishments and the media are really pushing the idea that we should be eating bugs. But the New York Times takes it one step further. Oh, 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 oh. before you move oh, on, before you move on. really? Yeah, sorry. I, I, I was hoping that you would cover this, but... So, one reason why this... <laughs> this oh, like, what, are you a lefty now? Getting all offended? Oh, my goodness. No, my I'm, gosh. I'm, just, I'm treating you <laughs> as the triggered one. Well, I mean, like, no, like... <laughs> the, reason, the reason this story is important, uh, also... It's because, uh, so we're not really covering it right now, but this has been a big thing over the last week. Biden and the White House have been gaslighting Americans, telling them, don't worry. We're not in a recession. No recession. That doesn't even exist. They're actually trying to use new language. Yeah. To say like, oh, this they is changed a their website. This is a, yeah, this is, a, this is a economic slowing, but it's not a recession. Yeah, it's like, not it's a, not a recession. recession. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Now the like I, uh, Ben Shapiro talked about it this morning. I remember uh, he, he had a really good take on it. He said that the, one of the one of the things that the Biden White House trying to tell people is that by the way it's not a recession because look at the job numbers. Our yeah. unemployment is really low. With like people are like really well off. And he said that is incredibly de- deceptive because jobs tend to be the last thing to go when you're heading into a recession because the recession has to hit hard. And until the the employers and all the companies are feel the pinch, they're gonna they're gonna try to avoid losing or firing uh, employees. So, like using employees or like unemployment as a measure of how great the economy is doing is terrible because that is literally the the, the it's like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. You're like being told like, oh, the Titanic's not sinking because nobody's getting into life rafts. Like, well, yes, life rafts are the last thing. That will start happening. People will start like running to the life graphs once the ship it's pretty much bought like you know, like pretty yeah. much like bottom bottom bottoming out. And so the Walmart story is one of many markers that demonstrate that if a major retailer is seeing the signs of economic slowdown where people are now no longer buying the the the, the extras, they're just buying the essentials. If Walmart can see the the writing on the wall, that should tell us that we are either in a recession or like literally like barely straight through it. So I think Canada's in the same boat. We're going to be heading into a uh, one heck of a recession in in, in the coming years. So you know, brace yourselves. Mm-hmm. Now yep. you can take Steven. things are going to be bad. But as I was saying, people will be looking saying. for alternative sources of energy, sources of fuel, sources of protein. And the New York Times suggests people. Soil and green is people. I was so gonna say soil and green. That's like it's so delicious. <laughs> now we're at that stage now. So the New York Times, a taste for cannibalism. Hmm. Mm. The nice county. A spate of recent <laughs> stomach-churning books, TV shows, and films suggest we've never looked so delicious to one Good another. One was it like a wasn't there a show called Chuck? Was it Chuck, the one about that serial killer who Dexter. actually like you know? Dexter, thank you. Thanks, Chuck Dexter. was the one about the guy who had like the CIA database in his brain. It was really nerdy, and I found it fairly entertaining. Interesting. Oh. Yep. Yeah. It also had one of my favorite actors in it. Hmm. So, an image came to Chelsea G. Summers, a boyfriend, accidentally on purpose. What? Accidentally on purpose. Hit by a car. <laughs> Some quick works with a corkscrew and his liver served Tuscan style on toast. 
Hmm. That figment of her twisted imagination is what prompted Smith Summers to write a novel, A Certain Hunger, about a restaurant critic with a taste for male human flesh. Turns out cannibalism has a time and place. In the pages of some recent stomach-churning books and on television and film screens, Miss Summers and others suggest that that time is now. There's Yellow Jackets, a Showtime series about a high school women's soccer team stranded in the woods for a few months too long, which premiered in November. The film Fresh, re released on Hulu in March, involved an underground human meat trade for the rich. Uh, La Vona... Uh, a novel punished, published in June portrays cannibalism in a medieval village overcome by plague and drought. Uh, there's another book from Augustina Bazterica, Tender Especially, is the Flesh. There's way too many things on this. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, it's quite uh, sad. Yeah. So, can you stomach it? A fascination with cannibalism, perhaps not surprisingly, can tow a fine line as Miss Summers learns while writing A Certain Hunger. When fact-checkers come calling about the frenzied scenes in which the book's anti-heroine prepares her murdered lovers with grotesque epicurean flourish, their queries about the intricacies of human butchery left Miss Summers so disturbed she went full raw vegan for two weeks. She was horrified by her own monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is... I, I know that they're like, oh, like, haha, we're talking about eating people lately. But, yeah, people are actually talking about this. People are actually seeing. It's like, well, you know, there's too many people. And we haven't convinced them to eat the bugs. So maybe we'll convince them to eat their neighbors. Or their children. Or, or their you know, children. Whoever, whoever well, like next door. they're already sacrificing their children. So, mm, extra yeah, that's protein. Not, that's, not, that's not much you know, much of a big step. Nope. It's um, just it's like, well, it's already there. Well, you know, the funny thing about this is that, I mean, cannibalism historically has always been seen as the, the, the last ditch resort of desperate, desperate people. Like if you, if you remember that movie, uh, is it called Alive? That, that like plane crash? Yeah. People like crash the plane and they have to eat each other uh, to survive because like, they had no other option. Um, also in the Bible, it talks about like, you know, God, like, you know, saying like, I'm going to punish the uh, the kingdom of Judah, and you're going to you're basically going to be so desperate for food, yeah. starving to death, that you're going to like actually eat each other because that is going to be your only viable option for mm -hmm. food. So this desperation and yep. the fact that they're talking about this as like it's like oh let's remove the stigma. It's like no, maybe we should keep that giant keep sign that stigma. stigma right there because that is well it's it's like. It's like the the few things which are remaining to have the stigma, which we've been saying. It's like, well, this should stay stigmatized for a very long time, ev always. Uh, and ma mainstream culture has said, oh, no, we're not going to destigmatize these things. We're not going to destigmatize pedophilia. We're not going to destigmatize cannibalism. And it's like, well, both of them are quickly moving towards destigmatization. There was a CNN reporter who ate human brains live on air. Oh, and um, remember uh, the that client of uh, the environment uh, minister for Trudeau, like yep. no longer Bobby Barbie. She actually was on a show yep. eating human flesh and all that kind of stuff on something. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was, but yep, yeah, she she got like some pretty serious flack for that. Yes, yeah, she did. Um, you know the other the other place I just remembered that I've seen like they're, they're put, putting this cannibalism in everywhere is on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yep, where uh, Jake befriends a guy. Befriends the cannibalists. The cannibal, yeah. yeah, yeah. The friend. The guy the talks like the 
Finally, Cannibal, he basically talks about like eating children. It's like, oh my god, it's like, why are they making light of this? It's so yeah. terrible. He's yeah. like, I could go for a, a nice burrito. And he's like, and he's like, man, you know, be race now. It'd be like, a man burrito. And he's like, no, like a beef burrito. I don't only think we're <laughs> eating people, but dang, his thigh looks nice. And it's like, stop it, man. <laughs> stop it. It's like, man, my, my cousin was tasty. Like, oh, oh, why? Uh, why? No. Why? Why no. have to go there? Why yep. have to go there? Well, somebody who yeah. went there a long time ago, because he predicted all this stuff. <laughs> and people have been calling him a conspiracy theorist for years. But I think by now it's official that he's been pretty much vindicated in almost everything. <laughs> so here is a compilation of Alex Jones singing about eating people. <laughs> it's exceptionally entertaining. Check it out. on for another minute considering considering that leftists tend to be like the, the the on the plumper side of things uh that is not the i mean he's not he's not wrong <laughs> like they, they do have a lot more uh fatty tissues like it's like eating, yeah it's like eating bacon it's like nothing but bacon. yeah oh man i saw <laughs> i hadn't even seen that this before i think this has been out for like two years but okay. i saw this because my wife was watching uh, the comments section with brett cooper and i'm like this is a thing? Oh my <laughs> gosh, this is hilarious. <laughs> I'm ready. Well done, well done. Like corn on the cup. <laughs> yeah, I will not eat you. I no, Unless I am not going to eat people. No eating people. Unless we have a nice Chianti and some Faba people. Shut up. I'm not eating people. <laughs> it's not happening. You can try and right, creep right. me out like Hannibal. <laughs> well, not works. like... Uh, thought I Clarice. So, uh, speaking of somebody that got uh, absolutely uh, wrecked by the media. <laughs> oh. Uh, talk about the school. Well, I wouldn't say he got absolutely wrecked by the media, but well, he, caught, he got shut down getting, by big tech. He's constantly getting targeted. Like, uh, like last week, last week he was, uh, he was featured in a January 6th video that basically tried to imply that he was one of the people that called for like you know people to go get rowdy down down in the capital yes. and yeah like there's like the media's the media's really going hard on him yep. on tim pool. oh they they yeah. are and it's totally undeserved yep. tim pool is quite rational he's about he as he's about as lefty as i get most of the time yeah but he's, he's definitely a centrist oh he's definitely a centrist he's not well, but, he, but he, you know it's been moving the the Overton window has been moving to the left, so Tim Pool, we welcome you into our ranks of conservatism. Join <laughs> us, you know you want come, to. Come Seamus will o- welcome you with open arms. Yes, you will. Yes, so you will. will we. Have us that all was higher the up. Biggest, that was the biggest loss. Seriously. The show has not been the same I know. without Seamus. Like Ian Ian needs a counterbalance. Ian's yeah. a bit too um, 
too pessimistic and a little bit too uh, cringe. But um, anyways, so Tim Pool, yeah, um, he basically got like uh, he got suspended, didn't he? Like they yeah, locked, he got they locked, yeah, they locked him out of his account. Yes, uh, for criticizing rumors. Yes, and if I remember correctly, what happened was he he made a he made a tweet which is on on the screen there it says Twitter actively protects and supports pedophilia, and then he actually doubled down and actually provided several examples like actual like articles that demonstrate that Twitter is actively actively covering for all sorts of pedophilic uh, like you know incidents and behaviors on their site. And as a result, they basically said, like, yeah, you're done. You're done, son. And the, the best part, he doesn't even care. No. He, th- he, he, he thinks Twitter is a joke. Anyways, he doesn't even, like, find it that useful oh, but, and all that. So. Like, Twitter is, Twitter is a joke. Twitter is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much that Twitter has been doing wrong. And, of course, we've covered it from the Project Veritas information, the bots leakage. The, the change in account uh, follower numbers that happened right after Elon said that he would that he was looking into buying the platform. Twitter is easily one of the most broken platforms. I'm not saying that any of the others are any better. Like Facebook banned me for three days over the weekend. Facebook banned me because I was making an apt comparison to pro-choicers saying so and I, w- I was comparing of course because they were justifying abortion in the case of rape and i said and i quote so if you assault me it's okay for me to kill your kid and i literally said in the bottom of the co- in the bottom of the comments this is the justification you're using here mm-hmm. and that <laughs> that that one comment Got me a three-day suspension huh? for inciting violence. I'm <laughs> like, Facebook, you are corrupt and inept. I have no other words. Well, you are corrupt and inept. Yeah. Facebook is becoming more and more censorious. Uh, the other thing, I, I don't know if you saw this, Stephen. So uh, somebody posted this, uh, I think this morning. There's a hashtag that was trending on, on Facebook that got shut down because of the implications. The hashtag, you know, I have it here. It's the hashtag uh, died suddenly. Okay. Ah. Now, what do you think? Why do, what do you think died suddenly would be in reference to? What What would they be trying to draw attention to? There you go. There you go. Like <laughs> a little stroke, a little heart attack, or whatever happens and all that. Basically, the implication is that all these mysterious deaths may have a single cause that we're trying to draw attention to. And Facebook decided, like, oh, we're going to shut this down because. We can't have people like making connections. Yeah. That that just can't happen. And so it's become, yeah. So Facebook, Twitter, they're becoming like you know an absolute like nightmare. Oh yeah. Like, Facebook and Twitter, yeah. and of course TikTok. But first, I'm going to finish off with this. So some of the headlines before yeah. he had his account locked out, shared by Pool include Twitter lets pedophiles discuss their sexual attraction to minors. Scholars argue. Twitter is not placing sex offender notices on profiles. Twitter is accused of letting pedophiles discuss their sexual attraction to children. And Twitter is a breeding ground for the normalization of pedophilia. Unfortunately, it's not just Twitter. This is another article from the Post Millennial. A child rapist who groomed kids over the internet is now asking for pen pals via TikTok. This was so, so terrible. Oh, it's messed up. So Mariah Van Lith. 
A 43-year-old child rapist has posted a TikTok video online asking for people to reach out to her if they would like to talk and become pen pals. TikTok reportedly has 18 million users that are 14 years old or younger. According to the Heido Statesman, she ended her 15-second video by blowing a kiss to the camera. The TikTok went online on July 8th and by Friday had gone viral, accumulating 3.7 million views. She made the video from behind the walls of the South Idaho Correctional Institute near Boise. She's serving 10 years in prison for raping two teenagers that she groomed over the internet, and she had used Snapchat and Facebook to connect with the boys and then lure them into physical encounters. I made mm -hmm. big mistakes. That doesn't define who I am. I've learned no, no, and grown I'll a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting again. a new chapter in my I'm life. Born. But then, like, what is? Oh, what did she actually say? Yeah. She basically, basically, like here she is talking about. I'm a changed person. You can't define me by my past. Yep. But I'd like to talk with pen pals. Thing. God. Yeah. Well, like the this this person basically bypassed, uh, so that she can't actually post directly on TikTok. No. From prison. But she, she sent, sent the video, video to someone else who posted it online for her. And and basically the uh, so the the what do you call it. The, the prison and whatever, whoever's in charge of inmates and all that. So like, well, nothing we can do here. You yeah. Know? Like she's well, it's like if she's making these videos and like this isn't the first video that she's made. Yep. She's made a total of eight videos and has 33,000 TikTok followers. Like yep. it should have been once she was dis once it was discovered that she was filming these videos and sending mm -hmm. them out and it was being posted on TikTok immediately taking mm -hmm. away phone privileges. And not to mention like. I mean, here let me let me let me put a little context here. Imagine if a prisoner, a like a hardened prisoner who's a child rapist, or like not even a child rapist, a, a, a just a just a felon, goes on TikTok and tries and, and and invites, hey, any children, any unraised children, want to be a pen pal? Come, you know, send me a send me a message. That itself would be grounds for like serious like you know repercussions because you're basically yeah, what's it called a uh, you're luring. You're trying to lure children, and you're already a criminal. That's already like you know messed up enough. But this person is a child rapist, a convicted child rapist, who isn't even denying it, and they're doing the exact same thing, and everyone's okay with this. She actually got what was this here? Five hundred people reached out. Yep, five hundred people. That should be a massive red flag. But this is the kind of stuff that TikTok and Twitter. Are more than happy yeah. to like allow well, the platforms. And, yeah, and the big tech platforms—they're all for censoring yeah. any any valid information. Like we know, we've been since we've had our channel on YouTube taken down twice. Yeah. We've had Facebook flag our groups mm -hmm. more times than we can even think to count. Yeah, and nowadays, and now YouTube is getting more and more bold about it. And YouTube is going to now start censoring misinformation on abortion. No boy. So we'll begin removing content that spreads misinformation about abortion safety or gives instructions for unsafe abortion procedures. So we'll launch an information panel. It will attach to videos to provide context about abortions from local and global health authorities on videos discussing abortion. Their press account said the company relies on published guidance from health authorities as users upload videos and discuss abortion in the wake of the Supreme Court's ruling last month that overturned the nearly 50-year-old constitutional... There is none. 
Oh, the hill. Come on. You prioritize connecting people to content from authoritative sources. That's your main primary error there. Authoritative yeah. sources on health topics. And we continuously yeah. review our policies and products as real-world events unfold. It already has misinformation policies in place for COVID-19, elections, and vaccines as it seeks mm -hmm. to curb the spread of harmful content and disinformation. Guess and, what? And, YouTube uh, is harmful com content and disinformation. <laughs> and we all know how well that has gone. because Oh, it's gone their, so well. Their crackdown on the election integrity has been a disaster. Their crackdown on COVID has been an absolute mess. Their crackdown and everything. And here they are. Like, it's, it's, the, it's the same old story. It's like the the biggest liars and the biggest like you know offenders of like misinformation and lies and and censorship are the ones that are going to police. It's like having think of it like imagine if you're like uh, you're in a kindergarten class and the teacher says like by the way kids we have a very big rule about like you know like not like you know not screaming in class but guess what all the white kids they scream and they get punished immediately. But all the black kids and the you know Hispanic kids, they scream all they want and they don't get punished. Yeah. That's basically Twitter. Mm -hmm. They have like supposed laws, but they only enforce them in one direction. Yeah. And that, funny enough, is what Tim Pool challenged uh, back then. Um, Twitter with, yeah, Twitter with, like with the the, the uh, Jack Dorsey and his um, mm -hmm. older lady or whatever. Uh, yeah. He was pushing on them. He's like, you're 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 enforcing one direction. Yep, and he's right. So. Every time I think of all of these this stuff, I think back a few months to one special Timcast IRL when he had a leftist on and the one leftist yeah. is like, <laughs> like big tech censorship. They're censoring left like liberals and leftists more than conservatives. And Tim no. just looks at it, You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he is yeah. wrong. Thank yes, you for saying it so bluntly, because he needed it. Yep. That guy was a fool. Yep. Yes, he was. Like, I, I'm glad that he came on because it's good to get yeah. a, like a perspective. And we've invited so many people because people are like, mm -hmm. oh, like I can crush you. And we're like, come on, then bring it. Let's let's do it. Mm -hmm. I keep inviting people like there. There's a guy that <laughs> continually tries to like go after our, our Facebook page. OK. And I'm like, whatever, dude, like, come on, let's let's do it. Like you, you, you got a big talk. Like, let's do mm -hmm. this. We'll dedicate Money an entire episode to you. We'll do it. And yeah. now he's like, why would I talk to two misogynists? And I'm like, because, like, <laughs> well, if you don't, then you're a coward. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably, probably get banned by Twitter for, like, oh, sorry, I know. Facebook for, for saying that because you know how they are. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, like it's, it's interesting what it, what YouTube bans about, like I, totally understand because it's recommending something that's unsafe making your own abortion pills yes that's unsafe mm -hmm. it's like oh yes let's totally make a medication let's have non-professionals make something well it's mm -hmm. it'd be like it would be like they actually suggested for covid for people to say yep you should eat horse paste and and YouTube fair, would be right if people to, had said go eat horse paste. To be fair, to be fair, yes, like uh, like blindly eating like any amount without any thought oh, yeah. would be dangerous. But like horse paste or at least like ivermectin, yes, is ridiculously safer than whatever the concoctions are they're using for these like oh, yeah. 
of abort- abortion kind of things. Yes. Like, they talk all the time about how, like, people will die because they will, like, go to back alleys and use coat hangers and, like, use chemicals. I'm like, and you're providing them with instructions on how to make these chemicals that may kill them. Yep. Hmm. Who's the real culprit here, you know? Like you're it's, providing them information on abortifacents. They're freaking cannibals. And then, of course, on the other side, it's like, yeah. yes. Like, we'll start censoring co- content that talks about abortion safety. Like, misinformation on abortion safety. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Abortion is not safe. Mm-hmm. Abortion has never been safe. You nope, think that abortion is a safe procedure because mm-hmm. the government doesn't demand statistics. The government says it's optional to give reporting statistics. And, of course, any investigation into what's actually going on at these abortion facilities like Planned Parenthood is attacked relentlessly. The amount of effort that they had to go through to go after absolute psychopaths like Gosnell Mm -hmm. is ludicrous. The fact that David DeLayden is still being pursued for millions by the state of California and the state of Texas because he had a false ID instead of going after Planned Parenthood for selling human body parts is nonsense. Yeah. And then there was that, remember that story that came out, like, I think a few months ago. Oh, about Washington. Yeah. Yeah. In Washington, these, all these dead, basically dead babies that were, that were obviously uh, killed after being born or whatever. Yeah. Like late, mid 30 weeks. And the cops, like, they, they refused to investigate the actual crime. And so they, they investigated the person that had them. Yes. They were like, oh, like, yes, we discovered these her. fetal remains and she's illegally storing them. And it's like, what? You're she took them out of the freaking picture. dumpster. Uh, say what now? <laughs> it's like, this is the way that they work. They're, they're, there's a massive amount of corruption in these systems. And the people in charge are really working to protect those in power that's that's really that's really what happened in COVID too because COVID, the police were pretty much nothing more than the 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 weapon the weaponized arm of the people who were abusing their power yep that's pretty much what it was so it just got really out of hand so yeah so this this whole thing about youtube promising that it will like remove misinformation this is all a cover it's just censorship 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 and it's only going to be one it's way. Nothing new. Which is why you can't, tr- you cannot trust the people that say they have your best interests at heart, like the Democrats on their same-sex marriage bill that um, that they're trying to push through the Senate right now. Good Thank transition. You. Good transition. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Republicans Olay. split on same-sex marriage bill, which faces uncertainty in the Senate. Oh. A bill to codify federal protections for same-sex marriage passed the House, but Senate Republicans are agonizing over whether they should block it or allow it to pass, with Democrats seeking to portray Republicans as belonging to a retrograde and primitive party that wants to strip away modern rights. Their decision could play a role in the midterm elections this fall. Some GOP strategists want the party to move past the issue by codifying protections, but that risks upsetting their cultural conservatives, which make up a significant portion of the party's base. A Gallup poll released last month found that most Americans, 71%, Favor legal same-sex marriage. This puts Republicans. By NBC. Oh yes. Well, I'm like I looked at that Gallup poll. I'm guess like you tell me. You tell me. Mm-hmm. There was a been an upward trend. Mm-hmm. When did it pass fifty percent? I'm guessing after Obergefell. Exactly at the time of Obergefell. Yeah, because the the country was 
split right right down the middle. Yep. Yeah, it was it was actually like like it was like a Bergefell was not a was not like a popular thing at the time. No. But well, it, would, like, it, would, like, it wouldn't have even passed Congress, and yeah. Congress has been de Democrat controlled for a while. Mm -hmm. But and like how many there? It wasn't. It didn't have total support. It had total support amongst the Democrats, but it did not have total support amongst the Republicans. Mm -hmm. And of course, mo most Republicans dislike the idea of giving their Democrats a win, even on an issue where there is quote consensus in the general public. Seventy percent is not consensus. I'm sorry, it's not consensus. But here's the here's really what so so here's really what's going on. The Democrats are going to get absolutely annihilated in the fall. Oh, right, they're they're going to be destroyed. We we talked about this a lot. There there's going to be a red tsunami. And tsunami, most likely, tsunami. most likely, is going to be bigger than even people believe because most polls that do are five percent in the wrong direction. In the wrong direction, so it's likely going to be the other way. So, also, the Democrats realize that they are deadlocked because they can't get a lot of things through the Senate because of Manchin and uh, Kristen Sinema, who are pretty much up, uh, blocking a lot of their stuff, and. All of the all of the popular uh, things that they that they want to do are they're they're dying on they're dying on inflation they're dying on immigration they're dying on foreign policy they're dying on COVID like everything they they have no COVID is the only thing that, that the Democrats still have positive numbers on yeah that's the only thing way. yeah even abortion is not a top issue for Americans they actually did a poll uh, they. They found yeah. like it was like less than two percent of Americans cared yeah. about abortion, where abortion was one of the big issues. Like no, 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 which no, it's no. it's That's actually economy. like surprising because like yeah. abortion should be for the majority of evangelicals, for the majority mm -hmm. of Christians, abortion mm -hmm. should be like issue number one or issue number two. Yeah, should be like there. I don't. To be completely frank, I don't care if the economy is crumbling if. We're not killing kids. Yeah, I will take we'll not butchering a hundred, like a million kids a year, if the economy drops ten points. Yeah, it's I'll take with that. Chance. It's cloudy with the chance of genocide out there. Exactly. It's like <laughs> you choose saving human life. Yes, the economy dwindling will have a negative effect on human life, but yeah. let's save the number, the bigger number in the short term. And then we can move and say, all right, let's focus on the economy now that we've outlawed genocide. Yeah. The problem with the same-sex uh, marriage bill, of course, like the the name was so stupid when I remember hearing it. You remember what the name was? Um, that was the Respect for Marriage Act. Oh, yeah. I was like, duh, give me a break. It's so, like, it's so cringe. Anyway, but what they obviously what the, Repo the Democrats are doing, they're trying to push an issue that, 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 they, they want to, they want, they, this is the problem with Republicans. There's also the problem with conservatives in Canada. Is that there's the stigma. It's like, wait, you're not against same-sex marriage, are you? Like, there's like the stigma, and people and people who are like like most Republicans, a lot of conservatives, they're like, uh, no, 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 not me. I'm a good person. I'm never going to ban that. I'm never going to go after that. Like, yeah. it made this massive stir when mm -hmm. Ted Cruz was on his show, which was Verdict, and said, yeah, Obergefell was wrongly decided. And liberals went crazy after him for it, but he wasn't what? wrong. Obergefell was, was a wrongly decided decision because 
there is no right to homosexual marriage to same-sex marriage to homosexual marriage in the constitution just like there is no right to an abortion in the constitution like if you of course codified it like they're trying to do now and make an amendment to the constitution that's one thing mm -hmm. but saying nope we're just going to have the supreme court pass it on what they believe to be like writing it in i forget what the term is for that but yes there's a there's yeah, a special so word for writing it into the like for assuming it's like well like they would have written it in had it been written now it's like that's not how yeah. that works no they, they they i mean the thing the thing is like the, the democrats always if they can't get what they want through just sheer power they'll try to cheat See, it's power is all they care about. So now, before we move on to the, before we move on from here, like mm -hmm. I actually have had a suggestion, mm -hmm. like when it comes to marriage, same-sex unions, mm -hmm. I'm like, let's further separate the the decision between civil unions that are decided by the state mm -hmm. and marriage, because marriage has always been since the inception of human civilization, marriage has always been something that has been governed over by the religious bodies. Yeah. I mean, it's recognized by every major community and every major yeah. uh, group. Like, even the Native Americans, like, yes. uh, smaller tribes, they, they have marriage as well. Mm, they did. But now, the way, the, way, the way I always, like, you know, like because you know, people talk about, like, well, what's the difference? They're all the same. Like, if you love each other, I'm like, no, 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 no. There's two major components that I, I believe make up um, like make like make a valid marriage. It's a, it's a definition issue. They want to redefine marriage to include all sorts of things, and now everything becomes marriage, right? But here's here's the two two crucial aspects of marriage that make up marriage. One, marriage has to be purposeful. Yep. There has to be a purpose outside of yourself. In other words, if two people get together. The purpose is to is to be, be able to create children. Now you think like you know, well, there's couples that can't have children. Yes, that's not to their own fault. Yeah, okay? they. But if they if they go in saying mm -hmm. we're both going to be infertile and we're just going to have a union with yeah. and we're never going to have children, yeah. then yeah, I no, I say that that marriage is like invalid because what it's not the marriage is not purposeful. It's yeah. the only purpose, or, or like it's it's not doesn't have the only a, purpose a, is pur pleasure. Well, the, the purpose is self-serving. Yeah, it's we want to be our, ourselves happy, and we want to reap the benefits of tax, all these all these things. But you're not contributing to society because you're not producing offspring, which yep. is one purpose of marriage. The second purpose of marriage that should be part of the equation is that uh, even even for couples that can't have children, the 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 couple could still raise children. Because yes. you have a mother and a father, which is two of the most important components of a healthy family. family. Yeah, you need to, you need a father and a mother, and so even parent even even parents that cannot have children can still, you know, like raise other children and still provide like you know like all that kind of stuff. That's why grandparents, when parents die, grandparents are, are perfectly capable of raising mm -hmm. the, the children when if if the couple dies or things like that. Yeah, this there's a reason why this was. In the government's best interest to protect and to uh, create an incentive so that people will do it, because this is the foundation of a healthy society. You cannot have healthy children if you're if you if you like this. The problem is homosexual uh, relationships. They can't make children; they have to be given children, 
And second, they're depriving children of a massively vital ingredient, yep. which is a mother and a father. You're depriving mm -hmm. them of either a mother or you're depriving them of a father. Yes. You're, you're, you're codifying something that's horrible. So this is why they're, they, yes, like same-sex uh, couples can have relationships. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Like, you know, you want to you want to create a society where those are okay. But that's not the same as a marriage. No. Nope. Because those relationships are not are not a, a blessing to society. We're, they're, we're they're, on the same, we're on the same point on, here. On, we're on the on, same point I'm here. Well, yeah. Cause that. I was, I was like, all right, religious institutions, marriage yeah. state issued. And like both have the same like tax, ex tax status. Yeah. Civil unions, marriage. Yeah. <sighs> because you'll see a drastic difference. Yeah. But because really what, yeah. yeah. Really, what these couples want—the the LGBT community—they want to have like the the cultural recognition yes. that oh, we want you to make our our union valid and equal, and we want everyone to believe it's the same. And this is why they they strive so hard to push this. Okay, go ahead, go for it. All right, no, like I have no idea how to connect this. You do that because you okay. This okay. is this is your well, story, and you wanted. To, right. I was like, all right, you wanted all this right after it, so go for it, man. All right, all right, all right. So, speaking of people in power and authority lying to you about what's best for you, this is the story that came out this past week, which is, it was kind of a massive thing, because this is like a decades-long study yeah. that basically threw a gigantic nuclear bomb in the, in the claim that depression is caused by a chemical imbalance yeah. in the brain. Okay? Okay, so I'll read it out. Yeah. Depression is likely not caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain, study says. Many people take antidepressants because they've been led to believe that depression has a biochemical cause, but new research suggests their belief is not grounded in evidence. So researchers from the University College London conducted an umbrella review of past meta-studies and systemic analyses of depression's relationship to serotonin. For mm -hmm. years... What are you doing? Go away. Chemical imbalance of serotonin has been widely viewed as the culprit for depression resulting in widespread use of antidepressants. Are you serious? The yeah. studies published this week in the journal Molecular Psychiatry concluded there is no clear evidence that serotonin levels or serotonin activity is responsible for depression. A recent review study is pushing back against the long-held views in medicine that depression is caused by a serotonin imbalance in the brain. Researchers from the University of College in London conducted an umbrella review of past meta-studies and systemic analyses of depression's relationship to serotonin activity that included tens of thousands of participants. The study, published this week, concluded there's no clear evidence that serotonin levels or serotonin activity is responsible for depression. And of course, it's a neurotransmitter that plays a key role in governing mood, sleep, digestion, and of course, like regulate, regulating my emotions when dealing with that stupid video. <laughs> <laughs> If you're, yeah, if you're so, not watching, there's a video that has popped up like five times every time I scroll. It's it's really it's really annoying. Yeah, I I, I don't do that. Um, so why is this important? Because I, I remember I remember in the '90s. I grew up in the '90s, and I remember hearing this all the time. That like oh like you know like uh, depression like there's they they called it clinical depression. My friend, yeah. a good friend of mine, actually even used the word. They're like, well, you know, you know, there's some people who have clinical depression and they need drugs to be able to kind of like get better and all that. And she was basing that. On the on the notion that the that that um, um, people are depressed because they have low serotonin. Serotonin is the the drug that makes you happy, and so basically mm. these these drugs work by uh, 
by by increasing the serotonin uptake of the brain, that's supposedly making you happier. However, these drugs have like first of all, these drugs have gone so incredibly out of control prescribed that like millions and millions of people have taken these things, usually because a doctor has told them, "Oh, you need to go on antidepressants. Oh, you need to go on these drugs." They're they're popping them out like they're Tic Tacs. And so it's an epidemic. Secondly, these things are super dangerous. And there are some very serious uh, side effects that come with all these like, you know, drugs, including the fact that many of them actually increase your your uh, your desire to commit suicide, which is crazy. Like, you know, like, oh, well, you, you're, you're really depressed. We're going to give you this drug that might want to make you very suicidy. It's like, uh, no, 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 thanks. I'm, I'm good. I'd prefer not to be suicidal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was like Matt Wall. Somebody showed a video of, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise of all, of all people who actually pointed this out in yeah. 2005 yeah. and he actually was right. He was like, yeah, he, yep, he was right. He was right. These people are like a bunch of like crooks and they're trying to sell you drugs and trying to like whittle the problem down to a single thing. So obviously I recommend that you read the study. I thought it was a big deal because of all the studies that, you, that we've, we've, you and I have gone through so many studies, this is a biggie because it completely throws on his head everything we've, we've been told for like decades now about like depression and really like should make you think twice about taking depression drugs because a lot of the promises are like not only are, are are there some real dangers to them, but also the whole premise of like how they work is based not on evidence but on a lot of speculation. So it was kind of a big deal, and yep. I would definitely recommend you read the story. Indeed, indeed. Right, Stephen? Right, but Stephen? it was kind of an interlude. An interlude. Oh, you can do this. You can do it. <clears throat> no, because like going back to talking about the the Democrats and the Republicans in the House passing the same-sex marriage bill. Eventually, like, we knew this would happen. We called this ages ago when the same-sex marriage passed in Canada in 2005, when Obergefell went down in 2013. We were saying, guess what? It's not going to stop with adults. They're going to move it to children. They're going to push harmful things on children. And nowadays... Oh, wonder of wonders, the FDA warns of brain swelling and permanent vision loss found in children taking puberty blockers. So they added a warning. Big deal. Yeah, they added a warning to gonadotropin-releasing hormones, GNRH, agonists, known to most as puberty blockers, having identified a serious potential side effect for some that may cause a dangerous surge of spinal fluid pressure in the brain that can cause headaches, nausea, double vision, and even permanent vision loss. They identified six cases in females ages 5 to 12 who were diagnosed with pseudotumor cerebri after taking GNRH. Pseudotumor cerebri, also known as idiopathic intracranial hypertension, literally means false brain tumor because the signs and symptoms in affected patients are similar to those of a large brain tumor. An FDA spokesperson said that during a review of the public published literature for the clinical use of Lupron, which is mentioned in What is a Woman?, all hail Matt Walsh. Mm -hmm. Several research papers describe the development of pseudotumor cerebri in children who have been treated with puberty block medication. This is from What is a Woman? Yep. Let's watch it. I just spoke yep. a month or two ago with a mother 
whose 14-year-old daughter was put on blockers. They discovered after two years, this 14-year-old girl has osteoporosis. That's something that like old women get. How can doctors assure parents that a certain medicine is totally safe? If based on what you're saying, they can't possibly know that. How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? Mm -hmm. How can they be sterilizing kids? Mm -hmm. How can this whole thing be happening, Matt? Yep. yep. How could this whole it, thing be happening? It's insane because the okay the 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 whole the whole push of the left right now is the ends justify the means always, and right now there's such a see like in the past we used to like doctors used to be like at least somewhat legitimately like concerned and like you know out for your own good. Nowadays, I can't even go to a regular doctor and trust that they're going to give me yeah. like good good advice. I mean, that you know, like you heard, like you know, like doctors have been prescribing antidepressants like you know Tic Tacs for ages, not realizing that they're basically like you know giving their their patients all sorts of like brain altering drugs that have long term consequences. Yep, puberty blockers are even worse, but it's so important that you cannot offend. The, the wrong uh, group or the wrong thing that it, it, it's becoming epidemic. So it's, 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 it's frankly amazing to me how much the, the medical community has like officially put to rest the whole, like the whole oath of uh, what's, what's that oath that every doctor has to take? Hippocratic. Uh, yeah, there you go. Hippocratic oath, basically saying that you, you shall do no harm. Well, that's gone. Yeah. No doctor holds that anymore. Oh yeah. Like, like the insane. original Hippocratic oath. Do you yeah. know actually one of the first lines in the in the Hippocratic Oath, the original one? What's that? Is I shall not give a woman a concoction that is meant to induce an abortion. Really? Yep. That is one of the wow. very first lines in the original Greek. Wow. That's been ditched. Yep, of course, because now it's like sacred in our society. Oh yeah. Sacred. But um yep. now this next story I found interesting because the, the story is from the, the counter signal. And it talks about how the WHO has declared mon monkeypox an international health emergency. Now, the very interesting thing uh, about this epidemic is that they want you to believe that every single person can catch this. That is like COVID. That like you can catch it just going to the market, the supermarket. You can catch it talking to your best friend for coffee. And it's there's a hidden lie that they are not telling you in these stories mm -hmm. that I want to see if they I want to see if they cover in the counter signals. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I was I was going to introduce this story by saying, meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom, I mean the WHO. <laughs> yeah, pretty, much, pretty much. So, yes, WHO declares monkeypox an international health emergency. Ah! So, speaking oh, sorry, at the WHO. I should have done, done it right. I know. That's better. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Speaking of the World Health Organization on Saturday, WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom made the announcement. A month ago, I convened an emergency committee under the international health regulations to assess whether the multi-country monkeypox outbreak represented a public health emergency of international concern. At that meeting, while deferring views were expressed, the committee resolved by consensus that the outbreak did not represent a public health emergency of international concern. At the time, there were 3,040 cases of monkeypox that had been reported to the WHO from 47 countries. Since then, the outbreak has continued to grow. And now there are more than 16,000 reported cases from 75 countries and territories and five deaths. 
In light of the evolving outbreak, I reconvened the committee on Thursday this week to review the latest data and advise me accordingly. He continues saying the committee couldn't reach a consensus, but that ultimately he made the decision to declare monkeypox an international health emergency, even though he acknowledges the risk from monkeypox is moderate. Moderate? So so, so they're they're basically like they're they're deadlocked on this thing. He's like, I'm putting my fist down. It's an emergency, dang it. It's like, oh, good. One person decides for the whole world. Lovely. So uh, I don't know if he actually goes into uh, how it's... Did they go into how it spreads, dude? I don't think they do. Okay, so here's here's uh, here's some of the things I found out about monkeypox. Uh, well, last, okay. Um, so Danny, okay, go for it. Danny, yeah, go for it. Go so for it. using those numbers, uh huh. How much more dangerous is COVID? <laughs> so I would say right now, in the general population, uh huh. I would say one in. 2,000 general risk from COVID? Give or take? One, 2,000? Yeah. For like the entire uh, age on, group. Depending on your age. Well, if I'm saying across all age groups. Oh, like I said, that's a general over, overall yes. kind of risk factor? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because when you when you factor in the elderly... It's been going down. Like I would say yeah, at the yeah. start of COVID, it was about yeah. 1 in 1,000 because we didn't know how to yeah. treat it. And because... The elderly were being like COVID cases were being thrown into the elderly nursing homes and yada mm-hmm. yada. And now it's decreased because we know more on how to treat it. And mm-hmm. because and people have it's gotten less deadly immunity. and people have natural immunity, yada yada, all these things. Mm-hmm. And so now it's one in 2000 and one in 2000 is about 0.05. Yeah, like really, really small. Percent. Yeah. yeah. Monkeypox, given the number five. Five deaths yeah, and seventy-five thousand cases mm-hmm. is zero point zero 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 six. It's down there. It's down there. <laughs> and it's oh, like, but it's no, no. But it's even worse, Stephen. It's even worse because unlike COVID, I could I could technically catch COVID from just about anybody. Oh, I know. Guess what? Unless I'm I'm uh, unless you're like licking in, blisters. No, and well, unless that too. I uh, no no no. Unless I am engaging in promiscuous homosexual sex, yep. I am not getting monkeypox. That is the well, big, that's, that's, well, okay. elephant in the room. That that is the elephant in the room. That is the majority of transfer 95%. of monkeypox. Ninety five percent is between homosexual sex that is promiscuous. And there was like it's a couple like, kids that there was a couple kids in the United States, and the CDC two. was announcing on this, and they're like, "Yep, both are connected to like." homosexual males who have been sleeping around. And it's like, then yeah. get those kids out of there. Yeah, maybe you should remove them from that uh, From the home, because that's an unsafe and unstable environment. Not to mention that, like, Michael Knowles was saying, it was like, uh, maybe we should really be thinking, like, are these kids okay? Yeah. How did they get this? So, like, okay, like, now you have to wonder about how it spread. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, this is, it's, it's incredible to me that this is an actual disease, and they, they don't want to make make it sound like this is a problem for the homosexual community because of the stigma. Yeah. But really, what they're doing is they want to make it's, it's like it's exactly what they did with COVID. It's like everybody can die. Everybody's at risk. It's a everybody. mass death, casualty yeah. event. And yet, if you are a young person, like a teenager or a child, 
who is like relatively healthy, has no like your health concerns or issues, you're not obese. Your chances of dying actually from COVID are virtually oh yeah from COVID young. yes from COVID from COVID your chances like a child like those children have a higher chance of dying than the adults yeah but their chances of getting it are much oh they're lower they're without them being in close proximity of those homosexual perverts mm-hmm. which is what they are let's be honest then. They would never have any chance in the world of getting it. But guess what? When you live with deviants, you're going to catch deviant diseases. Yeah, and we, the thing is, we don't know uh, really what happened, considering how little confidence and how little trust we have in our health authorities and how, how unreliable they are at investigating every crime Abuse. equally. Like, well, like, they, like, like we saw in the... the the story, the first story from that guy who attacked the Republican set, like, yeah. you know, like, uh, governor. Go. Yeah. He, he goes right back in the street because, oh, we can't, we can't mess with him because he's a criminal. He's a protected class. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to prosecute those kind of people. But this is a same example. Let's assume for the sake of argument that these children got monkey bucks because of the various things that happened. Do we really trust that our health authorities or anybody else are going to anything? actually go and investigate? And if they, even if they investigate, that they're not going to try to cover it up. Give, Give me a break. Like, no it's, way. It's just, I just don't trust these people nope. to do the right thing. So no, I, I, I legitimately wonder if how these children got it. I'm hoping that they didn't get it from various. But you know, either way, my money is on minor yeah. attracted persons, which is uh, another dirty little secret of that community. Pedophiles. <laughs> oh Tim Pool, you're so funny. I know, I know. But <laughs> so they're they're calling monkeypox an international health emergency. The last time they called an international health emergency, it created the COVID nineteen pandemic response, which is terrible. And now forensic reports are calling for criminal investigation into the responses, naming alleged oh, perpetra- perpetrations. And outlining the crimes, a forensic report engineer urges police to initiate a criminal investigation into the COVID-19 response. So with other 40 years of experience as a professional engineer, Manitoba resident Ken Drysdale has compiled an 89-page report titled Investigation into Criminal Allegations Concerning COVID-19 Pandemic Response. He's had previous experience generating expert engineering reports that have been used in court cases, arbitration, insurance claims, etc. in both the public and private sectors. The report is specific to Manitoba, but others are being developed for each of the provinces and territories. Drysdale says the report set out to look at government messaging to determine whether it was clear and or honest. It looks at statistics and compares 2019 to 2020. When referring to the breakdown of the statistical analysis, Drysdale notes that the totality of fraud was overwhelming. For instance, the ICU bed capacity in Manitoba has been a steady decline since 2006, while the population has continued to grow. In October of 2019... What? We've said we've said things like oh, that yeah. before. Well, uh, we've ICU said it for bed. Alberta, but yeah. Yeah. Manitoba had a f- mere four ICU beds per 100,000 population. This is in comparison to the United States, which has about 35 ICU beds per 100,000. Germany had 29. The average in Canada was 13.5, and we were down to about four. But that's not all. It was worse than that. He said that the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority had s- only had staffing for 50% of the positions that they required in order to staff those beds. While citing the pandemic influenza plan, Drowsdale said that throughout the COVID-19 pandemonium, the government did the exact opposite of what they developed in that 550-page document. 
He wanted to source raw government data to try and make sense of it all because experts will say anything depending on who's paying them. Using Stats Canada and the government of Manitoba's website, he used the information exactly as they presented it. We know there's lots of controversy about the testing, diagnostics, and who died of COVID or died with, but we didn't question it because he wanted to know were those numbers consistent with the risks that we took on both as individuals and as a society? As it turns out, your chances of just dying were 10 times higher than your chances of dying of COVID. He says, while reiterating that those with three or more comorbidities made up 45% of all COVID-related deaths. And in Alberta, that was actually much higher, I believe. Those with three or more comorbidities in Alberta was 80%. Yeah, it was crazy high. So, like, we, we've known this for a long time. I'm glad that he's compiling this forensic report. It should be investigated. And those responsible for the lockdowns, those responsible for any sort of segregation, any sort of punishment of those who went against their dogma and protested at church for, church services, had opened their business against... Yeah. Anybody who is responsible for that should be charged. And there should be trials. Yeah, the, this uh, so people are really willing, are really aching to move on. They want to move on from COVID. They want to move on from. They just want to pretend that this never happened. Yeah. But the problem is that what our government actually engaged in was crimes against humanity. Yep. Like, legitimately, like crimes against humanity in, in various different ways. People died, not because of the virus, but because of the government and what yep. they did. And the the, the the lives were destroyed. People were like wrecked. Uh, it's it's it, it was truly like one of the most horrible things, and my biggest concern is that those responsible will not face any repercussions. Yeah. Now, thankfully, in Christianity, like they will, but in the real world, we're not sure because a lot of these people are probably probably going to get away with the kind of destructive policies that they've done. And one of the worst will be our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who Prime is Minister. Our crime minister who is hell-bent on destroying the country entirely. Yep. Well, and as a result of his disastrous policies and his stupidity, well, mm -hmm. not just his stupidity, his being evil, Canada set up to be the worst performing Western economy for decades. A study yeah. from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development is predicting that Canada will be the worst performing advanced economy over the coming decade as well as for decades after. It offers insight on whether Canadians can look forward to meaningful gains in average living standards in the decades to come. The findings are dismal. The OECD predicts that Canada can at best achieve real per capita growth of only 0.7% per annum between 2020 and 2030. It places Canada that's, dead last. That's yeah. Amongst 40 nations designated the world's advanced countries, they will wring their hands over economics will wring their hands over such data. Media will soften the blow on behalf of government. It's a worldwide trend, says the Financial Post. This may or may not be. Cap are concerned with a vital question never to be addressed by experts, journalists, or economists. Is the situation intentional or on part of the government? Oh, intentional on the part of the government. Cap has been around long enough to know that mainstream society will scoff at this suggestion. Those who religiously re read the Globe and Mail consider this kind of talk so much conspiracy theorist lunacy. Due to neglect of a vital point, this may one day be proven wrong. The missing link comes in form of an agenda of political transformation. According to this theory, ours, all liberal government decisions contain a common purpose as elements of a predetermined agenda to transform Canada from a democracy to a socialist state. 
Yeah. If the concept has validity, then the ruination of the economy will likely play a vital role in our national transition. If one objectively reviews the seven-year period since Justin Trudeau became prime minister, patterns emerge to add credence to our theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, uh, they, were, they were talking about, like, you know, speaking of uh, Tim Pool, they were talking about it today, and they, they basically, like, labeled it, uh, they called it um, controlled demolition. Yep. Which is basically the, the concept that all, all, all these major nations from the Canada, U.S., uh, U.K., a lot of European countries and countries all over the world, they are actively working to destroy their, their, own, their own countries. Obviously for a purpose is to destroy what was there. So they, they want to do what, basically what they did in the French Revolution. The so French Revolution basically destroyed the existing power structure and put up something else in this place and they're hoping to, you know, put up their own, you know, vision of this fascist or socialist, like you know, like uh, utopia, that they, you know, they'll be on top and serve will serve them. Now, this whole idea, it's it's crazy because, it, like, you know, how, like it's it's if you if you it, it may take you years to build a house and to make it nice and to really you know care for it, right? Like you know, let's say somebody somebody uh, like builds a house from the ground up, like a, a Woodhouse or whatever, and they they work like crazy to keep up, right? And then when, one year they have to go away, and somebody comes in and takes care of the house. It takes you almost no time to completely and totally trash that house. Yeah, it, it, it's it takes years to build it, and it, it takes a very short time to destroy everything there. That is what the the Trudeau government has done, and sadly, uh, even if even if. Uh, Pierre Polyev manages to come in and take over the government and take over Canada. Unfortunately, he's he's going to inherit a giant mess, a dumpster fire that the Trudeau government has inherited. And sadly, well, no, they uh, they made they inherited a small dumpster fire. They no, no, made it into a massive dumpster fire. No, well, they, they inherited a fairly deep economy. Yeah, they did. Like there was the there were some minor issues in the economy. There were some yeah. minor issues in government. But they made like a tiny little campfire, and they made it into like a three-block burning brawl. Yeah, yeah. Like the Harper government actually was like congratulated because they were one of the best performing economies during after the. Uh, oh, they they were uh, the best in the G twenty. Yeah, they, because Stephen Harper's an economist. Yep. That stuff. And so you know he knows how to maintain a good economy in the midst of like you know massive recession. Justin Trudeau doesn't. And so even if he loses in this next election. He's just gonna sit back and be like, "Huh, huh? Look at him! Like the, the, like the economy sucks and everything sucks and all these other things suck." And oh, it's they're, the conservatives. They're trying, they're trying to cut money. They're cutting money. I was like, well, "Yes, because your out of control spending is insane. We have to, we have to cut costs." This Stopping me from spending money is racist and misogynistic, darling. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, actually. So it's. It's actually quite depressing, the idea that Trudeau has not only managed the country terribly, but he's managed to pretty much make it so completely crippled that it'll take decades for, for Canada to recover. And so yep. if you're a Canadian, that is really terrible news yes. for like the upcoming years. Yep, it is. Ugh. It's Take really terrible in, news. And, you know... Like, the Pope coming was not terrible news. The residential schools were terrible news. But the Pope coming yeah. was not. Yeah. Well, the Pope is kind of a twit, but let's go on. Well, 
I'm not a big fan of this pope. Um, he, well, he's terrible. He's terrible. So he's Pope Francis pope. begs for forgiveness over Canadian residential school system. Mm. So, speaking to an audience of First Nations elders and former residential school attendees in Masquasis, Francis said, I am sorry, I ask forgiveness in particular for the ways in which many members of the church and of religious communities cooperated, not least through their indifference and project of cultural de destruction and forced assimilation promoted by the governments of that time, which accumulated in the system of residential schools. This isn't the first time Pope Francis apologized for the church's role in the Canadian residential schools, having done so earlier this year. However, despite the apology, many indigenous activists said it wasn't good enough and wouldn't settle for anything less than an in-person apology. So far, he has not mentioned at least the 58 churches, many of which were Roman Catholic, that have been burnt down or experienced incidents of arson or vandalism by indigenous activists and sympathizers across the country. Of those churches that were attacked, 17 of them have been scorched or burnt to a crisp in suspicious circumstances. Thus far, we've only been able to confirm one arrest concerning the church burnings, which was deemed to meet the criteria for by a hate crime of a hate crime by police. The cases no. of arson against churches exploded last year in what appears to be explicit acts of retaliation after the discovery of unmarked graves near residential schools. Said graves were also used as post-motivation to visit and apologize. While those mm -hmm. that committed the act seem motivated by a sense of justice, many targeted churches have... Oh, many targeted churches have majority indigenous or racialized minority congregations. These people say they're devastated to see their place of worship destroyed. We are refugees mm -hmm. with no means. We escaped from Vietnam to come here with to get more freedom, to live and think of it as a good country. And now it happened to our church. Pastor Tai Nguyen told the counter signal after the Calgary Vietnamese Alliance Church was attacked. Maybe it's not safe to be here in Canada compared to Vietnam. Yeah, well, isn't that great? Yeah. Great thing to say. And like, um, we've, we've talked about the residential schools. Like the residential well, school system. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was a, it was an arrogant idea. Yeah, and it was I, I, explicitly yeah. anti-freedom. Yeah, I, I, I hold, hold, like, however, I will say this: um, I, I did listen to a very long interview. I think it was Lawrence Southern was interviewing okay. a, a a scholar who under who knew and studied like you know residential schools, and one of the problems is that we've we've kind of like gone a little bit too far on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I've read books. I've read testimonies. There are many schools all across country that did some horrible things. Yes, and absolutely, absolutely agree. However, there are also many of these schools that were absolutely fine. And oh, I was, I was going to go there too. Blessing. Yeah, they were a giant blessing to many natives and people in the communities. Well, and there, were, I forget exactly what school it was. I think there's actually a school in Calgary named after one of these individuals that ran a school. And even after the government like said no, we shouldn't have residential schools, they kept it open because the families were like, "You're doing a great job. Yeah, our kids are w way better educated and way better raised by you than we could have raised them ourselves, and especially we could have raised them themselves ourselves within the reservations." Yeah. So, like all of the stuff goes. Like my my boss was asking me about this today. Pope's visit. It's like, what do you think of the Pope? I'm like, I actually, I, I used to like like John Paul II, yep. like that uh, Pope. Like, he good was pope. great. Good Pope. Good great. Pope. He was a great uh, representative of the Catholic Church. Uh, pope Benedict was like not as wishy washy, wishy washy, but he was actually theologically sound, which I yes. liked about him. And then this Pope is a showman. He's all about like 
uh, you know, ex- external sh- like show of yeah. of like look, look how great I am. But theologically, he is an absolute like you know he's almost an apostate. Like theologically, yeah, he's a really bad pope for the, the church. And I'm not surprised that he's doing these kind of like you know these virtual signaling kind of like things that he does. Loves it. Now, the problem with the residential school uh, thing is that it's that it's all based on a lie, and it's sad that not only the pope but the entire Canadian government is pretending like this is still a thing. Like yes, like all these children were murdered. Like in mass graves in Kamloops. Like, nope, that was a hoax. And that's been repeatedly, repeatedly shown to be a complete and total hoax. But they're doubling down. They're pretending like they ears their fingers in their ears, pretending like they don't hear. Sadly, the like and I, I want to see if you agree with this, Stephen. No. I told my boss. The native native people are to Canada what black people are to the US. It's basically the the oppressed minority that we're responsible for causing them grave harm. And so there's this massive amount of white guilt and we have to like do everything in our power to basically cater. Well, to them and of course, like the, victims. the Canadian government has done pretty much everything that the far leftists in the United States have campaigned to do for blacks. They're mm-hmm. like, Oh, we need to pay reparations. The Canadian yep. government has paid mm-hmm. hundreds, if not over a billion dollars into yep. the reserves in terms of welfare payouts, in mm-hmm. terms of like funding and support. Mm-hmm. And there's very little accountability. Like mm-hmm. many of these reserves do not have running water because they pay the band chief. And then the band chief's just like, why would I pay my citizens? Like, mm-hmm. why would I like I get paid and I'm not held accountable by anybody. Yeah. And so as long as I'm still band chief, then I'm mm-hmm. going to live in this glorious mansion. Mm-hmm. And my people are not going to have running water and they're going to have boiling water advisories because yeah. I'm a complete dick. Yeah. And the problem is, is like, it's, it's exactly the same as the story we talked about earlier about the antidepressants. Yeah. The, the pharmaceutical companies try to whittle down depression to a single cause that can be solved by, by a pill. That's what they try to do. Whereas depression is a very complex thing that a lot of factors play into it and you have to solve it like, you know, multifaceted of way. Mm-hmm. The problem with Native American or Native uh, uh, operational issues in Canada is that the, the amount of complexity of every yep. single Native band across the country is so massive. Like there are bands in, in the West Coast that are far better off yep. than bands in Saskatchewan, than bands in Ontario and uh, wherever else. And every single band is different. Every reserve is different, has different uh, policing, has different uh, like organizations. But ultimately, one of the problems that we see a lot is a lot of mismanagement. Yeah. A lot of these are run like socialist government. And there's not a lot of responsibility. Like We have this view, all natives are victims, which is exactly what they try to say about the blacks in the United States. Like They're all victims. All of them. Yeah. And so the government's always responsible, so we have to like you know, help them out. And so yeah. it's sad. So, yeah, so it's it's kind of a sour visit for the Pope coming to Canada. Yep. But thankfully, we have some good stories to finish up on. Yes, we do. Yeah. It's rather we actually finish up on good stories. Yeah. But one of our friends, mm-hmm. which I feel like we can call Pastor Art our friend, we've, yeah. we have a good working relationship, especially with his brother, David. Yeah, we definitely, we interviewed them both in one of the rallies. Yeah, we did. Unfortunately, YouTube took down that footage and will not give me it back. 
Yep. So Pastor Art Pavlovsky's contempt conviction set aside on appeal. The Alberta Court of Appeal ruled the injunction against him. His arrest is jail time. The censorship order and fines against him were illegal. The oh, appeals legal. court panel of Justice Barbara Le- Leah Veldwis, Veldwi, I don't know, Justice Michelle Crichton, and Justice Joe Anna Strekaff ordered women, yeah, Alberta Health Services to reimburse Arthur Pavlovsky and his brother David for the cost of their appeal and the return of any fines and penalties paid. The appeals yeah. panel concluded the original injunction banning protests in the name of public health was not sufficiently clear and unambiguous. The appeals panel also reduced the penalties of restaurant owner Chris Scott to time served and penalties already paid. Oh, that's not very good. I know that. Yeah. So the judgment released Friday morning read, the P- Pavlovsky's appeals are allowed. The finding of contempt and the sanction order are set aside. The fines that have been paid by them are to be reimbursed. The judge's chamber awards worded costs to H- AHS payable by the Pavlovsky's jointly in the amount of $15,000, calculated at 2.5 times column one. This cost award is set aside, and the Pavlovsky's are awarded their cost payable by AHS in the proceedings below. And this court calculated on the same basis. Calgary pastor Art Pavlovsky and his brother David were both arrested and imprisoned after being found in contempt of an ex parte court order obtained by Alberta Health Services restraining illegal public gatherings. The original finding of contempt by Justice Adam Germain, our very first douche of the week. No, he was such a like politically yeah political hack. Included yeah. a sanction that required the Pavlovskys and Chris Scott, the owner of the Whistle Stop Camp Cafe in Mira, Alberta, also named in the first restraining order to denounce themselves and their views on COVID before expressing their own opinions publicly. Mm-hmm. I was also aware the views I'm expressing to you on this occasion, I'm going to say it in a voice, may not be views held by the majority of medical experts in Alberta. While I may disagree with them, I am obliged to inform you the majority of medical experts favor social distancing, mask mm-hmm. wearing, and avoiding large crowds to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, so unscientific. Most medical experts also support participation in a vaccination program unless for a valid religious or medical reason you cannot be vaccinated. Vaccinations mm-hmm. have been shown statistically to save lives and reduce the severity of COVID-19 symptoms. They're all this, lies. My God. Oh, yeah. Well, it was basically like that pamphlet, which it was funny. Because <laughs> I actually, like initially when we went over it, I didn't have one. I just found mine. Oh, yeah. Did you? Yeah, like I, it showed up in my mailbox and I'm like, did they send another one of these? And it's like, nope, October 2021. And I'm like, wow. What? <laughs> oh, wow. Back. I'm like, dang, kind of post. What the heck is going on? <laughs> a little low, a little slow over there. So this is this is really great news. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's not 100% perfect, especially considering Here, Chris Scott. It's years in the making. Yeah, years in the making. And then, of course, further good news. Tomorrow, Lish. Freedom Convoy organizer to be released on bail. We've talked about her a few times in the past few weeks with her being yep. arrested and then released on bail and arrested. So she'll be released from jail on bail after she was detained early in July for allegedly violating her previous bail conditions. Superior Court Justice Adam Goodman granted Lich another bail hearing after he ruled that the early order on July 8th for Lich's detainment was clearly inappropriate. She was rearrested after having contact, quote unquote, with fellow mm-hmm. protest leader Tom Marazzo at an awards gala in Toronto last month. The Crown argued that the contact violated Lich's bail conditions, as she'd been ordered not to communicate with key convoy organizers except through counsel. On Monday, or in the presence of counsel, which yeah. she was. Yeah. Lich's lawyer Lawrence Greenspoon Spawn argued the two organizers did nothing more than shake hands and pose for a photo together at the gala hosted by the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, where she received a Freedom Award for her role during the convoy. During the occupation. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, well, this is global news, so, it's you know, consider news, the source. <laughs> yes. 
So God Goodman said the Justice of the Peace Paul Harris had made erroneous conclusions and misapprehended the evidence against Lich while deciding that she broke her bail conditions. She'll be released on Tuesday. After spending more than 48 days in jail, she faces charges of mischief, obstructing police, counseling others to commit mischief, and intimidation. That's not worth 48 days in jail. We've talked about this over and over. We're glad that she's released on bail. And then she has another court appearance for Thursday. But she should never have spent a moment in jail. And she spent 48 days. Like, we've just talked about the Pavlovskis, and they're getting some recompense. They should get more than $15,000 by quite a large sum from the government. I doubt that they'll get it, but they should. Well... They they actually have the ability to sue the government. Oh, they should, because the because of the way that the, the, the court ruling found their actions illegal, they yeah. can be. So, I mean, normally I don't rec- I I think rec- avoid like you know frivolous lawsuits or things like that. But this is not frivolous. In this case, in this case, it's it's not even about the money. Yep. It's more it's about, about making like, a statement. Well, it's more about like you know holding those accountable. Yep. Who are accountable? Because the same idea. You don't want this to be done to other people. Okay, so if you're like. If you're a Christian, like let's say you're a Christian woman, you got raped. It's like you know, like if if you were asked, like you know, like oh, like do you, do you want to press charges? It's like oh no, no, I'm a Christian. Like forgive. I forgive. Like, it's like well, I forgive. Like, no, no, but justice on. must be served. Yeah, like the there's Bible a di- like we talked like we've talked about this, and the Bible is very clear on this. There is a difference between justice and vengeance. Yes, vengeance, of course, is personal. Justice is for the good of all. That's right. And so, yes, like if Tamara Lish was like, oh, we if she was saying, yep, like the government put me in jail for 48 days, we should like burn down. Yeah, that would be vengeance. Mm-hmm. It would be inappropriate. Yep. But if she says, yes, I am like, like what the government did to me was wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I am going to go after them. I'm going to go after them for suing them for wrongful arrest, wrongful detainment and illegal proceedings. Or I, I'm not exactly certain on the law. Because I'm not a lawyer. But she has yeah. every decent grounds to go after them. And both her, the Pavlovskis, Tim Stevens, our pastor, uh, James Coates up in Edmonton, yeah. and a few others across the country should be actively seeking litigation against the governments. And mm-hmm. the, the people of those provinces should be actively seeking litigation against the public health authorities, the yeah. premiership, and those who made the decisions to lock us up, to condemn us, to segregate us, and yeah. to make sure that this is much worse than it would have been if we had done nothing. Yeah, one thing I always like to say about, like, you know, so if you want, if you think of, like, you know, oh, Kenny did all these things. Like, look at it this way. Um, if you're a doctor, or I don't know, like, a little, okay, I'm going to put it really simply. There are people today that would have been alive that are dead now yep. because of them. Now, if anybody died because of the virus, I, I actually don't put that on Kenny. Nope. I wouldn't put that on Hinshaw. I wouldn't put, the virus is going to kill whoever it wants. Yes. And, you know, like, viruses are very... And it's going to spread however it wants. It's, it's going to spread however it wants. However, you're not responsible for what a virus does, even, even though people like to say, like, oh, you're, you're causing people to die. I'm like, give me a break. It's a virus. However, you are responsible the actions they take that directly lead to people dying, including there was a story here in Alberta of a father who got delayed a, a, a surgery yep. because of these onerous, irresponsible, and totally unscientific 
policies, he died waiting for that, that transplant. Yep. Just one example. And, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of more people who died by suicide, by vaccines, or by whatever other kind of yep. thing happened that these people are responsible. These people have blood on their hands. They're like, yep. you know, like, what, what do you call it? They're basically like Pontius Pilate in the Gospels, who basically said like, oh, I'm, I'm I wash my of hands this. of this. I wash my hands. I am innocent of this blood. I'm like, no, you're no. not. You basically let them to die. So yeah, you allowed it. Yeah. So there's a reason why we want uh, accountability. We don't want vengeance. So I don't want Kenny's to be like, you know, like, to be, I don't know, hit by some assassin, like, like the guy in uh, New York. Yeah. But I do want him to face some jail time because yep. what he did was terribly criminal. So, it was explicitly criminal. I'm, ex- I'm excited, to, but I'm seriously excited that Tamara Lynch is out. I'm excited that uh, Pavlovsky's uh, got I, recompense. I, I I feel like they've gotten they've really gotten a bad rap by not only by the government but a lot of like local Christians yep. unfairly uh, unfairly treated them like garbage, mm-hmm. including that one pastor. Remember one from First Alliance? Yep. Uh, Ray, whatever his name was, uh, Pastor Ray. That went on the uh, Calgary Herald and basically, like, basically, like, you know, threw them under the bus. And I was like, "What yep. the crap, man? What the crap?" And so I think it's great that the Pilovskis are basically getting, you know, vindicated. Yep, they should. So good news, like, end on. We're hoping that uh, this this continues. Yes, one hundred percent. All right, Stephen. So that's where we're going to end today's show. Thank you for watching. Aww. Thank you for listening. Well, you'll see us again Thursday, so shush. <laughs> so, if you've been watching on our video platforms such as YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, and YouTube, then do not forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe. It feeds the algorithm of the big tech overlords, which we fight to overcome. The overlords. Yep. Meanwhile, at the Legion of YouTube. Censorious <laughs> <laughs> bastards. Yeah, pretty much. That's the way yeah. it works. So, all of that Helps us out. Give us comments. We'll respond to as many as we can, as long as they're reasonable mm-hmm. and not racist. Watching you, <laughs> bitch, you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Every bloody time. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, one job, bitch, you. One job. One bloody job. <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, if you're following us on our text platforms, such as Facebook, Gitter, Twitter, and Parlor, then, of course, comments, like, follow, echo, it's different for every platform, but if you're on those platforms, you know what you should do. That's right. You should know. And then, of course, if you're listening on our podcast platforms, then, of course, download this video and share it with your friends because we think we're nice. Yay. Yeah. All right. To finish off, of course, on Thursday, we are actually going to have Cameron Cote come on. It's going to be a yeah. bit of an earlier show. So we're going to yeah. start at about 7 p.m. We're going to have yeah. a discussion with him from 7 till 8, and then we're going to finish off the latter section with kind of a normal show segment, unless we yeah. have another guest, which maybe, I don't know. We might, we'll hopefully we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. We would love to have somebody join cam because cam is great. Yeah. Cam is great. So that'll be the show Thursday. It's going to just mark it in your calendar. That's going to be an hour earlier. That being said here at the shrewd News podcast, we always like to remind you why be rude when you can be shrewd. Have a great night, everybody. We will see you on Thursday for our live stream and have a great night. And as always, God bless. Good night, everybody. <laughs>